Hey there, welcome back to another episode of KippyCast. Are you hoping to learn more about unions or progressive movements? Then you're in the right spot. I'm Brittany Nisbet, re-recording this episode. <laughs> we'll explain more later. And I use she and her pronouns. And I'm Tiffany Balducci, she, her pronouns, here uh, coming to you from a re-recording that was previously recorded in front of a live <laughs> audience. Uh, now it's being recorded with my uh, kid doing potty training upstairs, so folks might hear <laughs> hear that happening. But uh, yep, yeah, so we're here reminding you that we're the only podcast of our kind, combining union info, pop culture, and more. Kicking ass for the working class, one podcast at a time. Whether you're a member of QP in a union, wish you were in a union, or just found us while browsing, you're definitely in the right place. And I'm Brianna Plummer. I go by she, her pronouns. It's another hot union summer, summer of the strike. And so many of these strikes are women-led. And don't forget the orcas too. Let's explore what's going down because Barbie is a union member. Re-recording an episode that was previously recorded in front of a live audience. This is episode 28, Strong Woman Summer. get super into this episode, we want to give a big thank you and shout out to the Niagara District CUPE Council Women's Committee, um, who had invited us to do a live show. Uh, it was awesome, and uh, we had a great time, but due to some tech issues, we are re-recording that show, <laughs> and we had lots of fun. Oh, totally. It was so yeah. much fun, and it was it was a first time for us, actually, uh, the three of us, to record an episode in front of a live audience, and also it was our first time recording all together in the same space. Yeah, so we usually record in our homes, um, but it was so nice to be together in the same space um, recording and to be in front of a live audience and hearing the reactions um, as we were having this discussion. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I, I, I like to hear like a live reaction while we're talking. That's really cool. Um, but, it, and you know, we're re-recording because it's such an important topic. Uh, and let's get started. The best place to start, I guess, is talking about what's gone on over the summer. It's, it's almost fall now, but let's talk about this year's summer of the strike. Oh, absolutely. So it's been a bit of a long summer. And as we know, fall is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but before fall arrives, let's start from the beginning. Um, so it started with the Writers Guild of America, also known as WGA. WGA walked out on May 2nd. WGA represents about 11,500 television and movie writers. Some of the major issues that caused the workers to strike was the increased use of AI, wages that keep up with inflation, and the lack of residuals. The WGA is also looking for language around mandatory staffing and duration of employment. Yeah, and there's an article written in the 19th um, with the article is about the strike and it's titled The Writer's Strike Could Determine the Future of Women, People of Color, and 2SLGBTQ plus writers in the industry. And this article mentions that women, women of color, and 2SLGBTQ plus folks have less access to writing jobs. So precarity in their workplaces means that they actually have to leave the workplace and there's no work for them. Yeah, and that's just so sad. And there are some stats to back all of this up. So I'll share those with you. Uh, The stats are from that article that Tiffany was talking about. And they say women make up about 45% of all TV series writers. People of color make up 37%. Women of color are 21%. And 2SLGBTQ plus people are 12%. It goes on to say that writers with disabilities are 2% of TV series writers. 
Um, marginalized writers are also getting stuck in the lower paid writing jobs. So for example, in 2020, nearly 60% of showrunners, TV CEOs were white men and women of color were 7% of the showrunners. So they, but they were incredibly overrepresented as staff writers, which is the lowest level. And at that level, 37% of writers were women of color in 2020 Mm -hmm. compared with the 17% who are white men. So when you can compare all of those, you can see that clearly women of color are being overlooked for the higher paid positions. Mm. And the article also mentioned that backrooms are getting smaller, so less people are needed to write shows. And as we heard in those stats that Brittany just mentioned, less movement happens for women, women of color, and 2S LGBTQ plus folks. And those who are in the backrooms are not being given the experience needed to become showrunners. Yeah, so with WGA fighting for mandatory staffing and duration of employment, plus better residuals, it could give the writers, especially the writers who are equity deserving, uh, way more opportunity and better job security. Totally. And then on July 14th, SAG-AFTRA joined the WGA strike, making this the largest industry-wide strike since the early 1960s. So SAG-AFTRA has around um, 160,000 members. They have similar issues as WGA, like residuals for viewership, levels on streaming sites, as well as the threat of AI. And there have been a lot of powerful quotes from the strike, but I think we really need to repeat what SAG-AFTRA President Fran Drescher said on the eve of the strike. So Fran said, we demand respect and to be honored for our contribution. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right, but they're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It's disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history. Hmm. Those are some very powerful words from everyone's favorite nanny, but seriously, the AI stuff is so wild. Um, actress Shirley Ralph, um, she's one of my favorite actresses on one of my favorite shows at the moment, <laughs> Albert Ele- Elementary. Um, she was actually recently on The Social, and she was explaining how the use of AI technology has in some ways sped up the industry so fast that workers are being left behind. She said in her interview, quote, they can use AI to screen your body, take your movement and your image, put it on someone else's face, on your body, and use that AI then to film. So the actors get nothing because it's technically not the actor. Yeah. And when we recorded this in front of a live audience, I made a comment that that's like literally from if anyone watches Black Mirror, like that is mm-hmm. some Black Mirror stuff. And that, yeah, everyone's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then also um, I was reading somewhere is the same thing for backup dancers. Um, they are being reused, like the images of them dancing for oh, different commercials yeah. are being used in like a different music video that they never agreed to being in and they oh. don't get paid for it. So yeah, AI really is changing the game. We've seen it across many other sectors too. Um, in that same segment that Brianna was talking about, Cheryl explains that 80% of the union members are the ones who are really affected here and they're, they're, they're just part of the regular working class. They're the ones getting that fourth job. Um, they have to you know, sell their homes right now. Some of them are losing their homes. And while the big stars are are out there and supportive and striking too, we'll talk about one big star later, <laughs> they're supporting mm-hmm. the other members of SAG-AFTRA who really, you know, aren't making very much money at all. And so it's not these like spoiled rich actors trying to get more money. They're fighting for 80% of their members who are not even making $25,000 a year. And um, I love Fran. 
she's often quoted uh, before that this is so much bigger than the union that she leads, stating that the moment is about the entire world of work and workers coming together, deciding at some point you have to say no more, enough is enough. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't even have to look far for workers led by strong women standing up. We have some QP strikes that are currently going on. Yeah, and so I'll start by mentioning QP Local 2577, the frontline child protection workers and support staff who went on strike with the Family and Children's Services of Lanark, Leeds, and Grenville in early August. They were focused on improving services for their communities and working conditions to better recruit and retain staff. And after three weeks on strike, they ratified a new contract that takes steps to address those needs. Oh, congrats. Oh, congrats, congrats to them. Yeah, congratulations. And we actually have a quote from their president, Arlette Carrier. Um, Arlette says, quote, this should serve as a wake-up call for our agency and the entire ministry. Workers are not happy. The communities we serve are not happy. People came out in droves to support us because they know we should be doing better by families and children. We voted for this deal because we want to be there for those who need us, but we're going to keep organizing and keep the pressure on to make sure we have the resources we need to support families. See, just as Fran Drescher said, and we all know, workers are fighting back. And no one is fighting back harder now than the Bradford West Gwillimbury Library workers with QP Local 905. Yes. So those library workers voted almost unanimously to join QP in 2021, and they're currently on strike for a good first collective agreement that will see real wage increases that respect the rise in the cost of living and the fact that they've not seen a raise in many, many years. And at, a, at one of the ra- uh, rallies that they had, Wendy Walls, who is a library worker, uh, spoke about the changes that she has seen since workers joined the union. She said, in the past two years, I've seen this group become more organized, confident individuals. They have regained their voice. They've become leaders. They've grown in ways I'm amazed with. And whatever happens today, tomorrow, or whenever, they are, we are, you are an incredible team and you're never going to be shoved back into the box where you're going to be quiet or intimidated anymore. Mm. Mm, that's a very powerful quote. Um, I know I mentioned this in previous episodes of CupyCast, um, that I was part of the Women in Leadership Development Program with CUPE Ontario. And I was actually part of the program with CUPE Locals 905 Vice President Nina Brown. Um, so as we were preparing for this uh, episode, I reached out to Nina to ask her more about the strike. And she told me that the library workers love their job and they want to serve their community, but the negotiations have been slow. Nina has shared with me that part of the proposal includes a $1.35 per year wage increase. Nina said, quote, respect to me means the $1.35 wage increase. A $1.35 wage increase per year is not too much to give. It's disheartening that the employer does not think the workers are worthy of a wage increase, but expect them to be the face of the community. Nina is also a library worker, and she flagged that with the school new school year, um, around the corner when we recorded this, the school year has just started. Um, She is concerned that the students who depend on the library will have nowhere left to go. City council needs to hear the library workers, give the workers the wage increase so they can actually live their lives and take care of their people. That's another powerful quote. And um, yeah, yeah, and it's really good that you mentioned the wild program again, Brianna, because it just goes to show like that this program, um, there's so much leadership that comes from the program and it's so important. And, Um, I just want to read a quote from their mayor, Mayor LaDuke, who is a retired IBEW member. So he's actually on a union pension. 
Um, I want to read what he was quoted as saying and get your reactions from it. So there was a member of the public uh, who wrote to council and the mayor uh, complaining about their inaction at the table and really asking them to get back to the table and have a fair deal. And the mayor responded, and this is just going to be a direct quote. I'm sorry that you feel that way. All of what you've been told is propaganda by a union that came into our town, went to the library and signed up some women who really didn't understand what they were getting into. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. hurts. That hurts. I I have some words that I want to say, but they're not. They would make this an explicit podcast, so I'm not going <laughs> to say them. But uh, yeah. but that is that that really hurts. And yeah. and um, it's messed up. Uh, it, I especially with him being an IBEW member. Yeah, and I just like, want to um, flag um, recently the VP of IBEW three five three vice um vice president. Jeff Irons actually made a statement like encouraging, like begging, not begging, but asking the mayor to kind of resolve this and move forward. So he says in a quote, I personally appeal to you to, I personally appeal to the trade unionists in you, bro, James, to please settle this strike ASAP and give these workers a deal that is fair and respect the work that they do, making your town great and desirable place to live and raise a family in. So that's what he said. So a lot of folks are, you know, asking the mayor and city council to step up and resolve and let's come together and have a collective agreement. Um, Also, one more thing I just wanted to flag is that uh, recently the library board has appealed to the Ontario Labor Relations Board to request a first collective agreement arbitration. Um, So when we recorded this, the, um, the library workers have been on the picket line for about 40 days as been more than 40 days now mm-hmm. um, but as they continue to bargain for a better collective agreement we are sending them all our support and solidarity and i hope this gets resolved soon mm-hmm. yeah and so if you're in that area and you're able to visit the picket lines it would really help them out um yeah. and there's also if you go on qp ontario's website there's also like a letter that you can send to it's one of the ones where you just put in your name at the bottom and it, in information um mailing address etc and it sends uh, a letter to um, city council and asks them to get back to the table as well. So those those that, those sorts of yeah. things really do help a lot. Um, but we'll switch gears and we'll uh, we'll talk about another uh, QP local. So one of our oldest QP locals was is on strike right now and at the time at the time of this recording. So municipal workers in Cochrane, Ontario, are on strike as of July thirty first, twenty twenty three, after rejecting an agreement. Um, the municipality is offering below average wages compared to what is being accepted at other municipal tables, and municipal workers in Cochrane demand better wages. The monetary package on the offer is still well below the rate of inflation, meaning that members who keep the town of Cochrane running would only be seeing a wage cut. And so if folks can join the lines, please do. I think we looked and I think it was like they're on day 40 of their strike um, right now as of yeah. the time of this new recording. Is it day 40? feel like I looked it up. Anyways. Yeah. I think it is. Anyways. Yeah. Me. It's day 40 today. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, while yes, we're recording. <laughs> Not the day that this comes out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So definitely join the lines if folks can. Yes. Um, so shifting gears and moving away from strikes that are happening within QP. 
Um, one of the big strikes that took place this summer is the Metro strike that took place in the greater Toronto area. A quick summary for our listeners who may not know about the Metro strike. Um, members of Unifor Local 414 were on strike uh, across 27 Metro stores um, across the GTA. So according to a Maple article entitled GTA Metro Workers Strike is a Chance to Reform the Grocery Industry, listed demands from Unifor. So Unifor demanded higher wages, full-time work, and better benefits. And before striking, um, this local had a 100% strike mandate and a strong backing of public support. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we all know that grocery workers were mandated to work throughout the pandemic and played a key mm-hmm. role in ensuring their communities stayed safe um, and stayed afloat during the lockdowns. While other industries may have suffered during the pandemic, the grocery industry made record profits during the pandemic. And last year, Metro CEO Eric Laflash made $5.4 million in bonus play- pay. That's just bonus pay. Oof. Yeah, I'd like just... to know what that life is like. <laughs> yeah, I, don't... I know. <laughs> like, oh, my bonus is just $5.4 million. Uh, the company made a net earning of over $922 million, um, the highest profits the company has ever recorded in its history. And yet most Metro workers can't afford to shop where they work. So Metro and other grocery corporations would not be able to make the huge revenue without the workers. Yes, that's totally right. So to shed some light on how much the Metro workers make, according to Unifor, uh, and this was prior to them uh, getting a collective agreement. So this is not yeah. a new collective agreement. I just exactly. want to clarify that. Good point. Um, so at the time, workers make, according to Unifor, 70% of members in the bargaining unit earn less than $20 an hour. The average wage of a full-time employee at Metro in the GTA is $22.60 an hour, and the average wage of part-timers is $16.62 an hour. Um, Unifor President Lana Payne said Metro must address low wages that have been further reduced by inflation and give workers their fair share of record company profits. Grocery workers deserve good jobs. It's just that simple. Yes, and I totally agree. And that's why we saw the Metro workers say enough is enough and took to the picket lines. Um, They also picketed the distribution warehouses. Um, But according to the Canadian press, since our live recording, they have secured a tentative agreement. Um, So that is really great news. And we're sending solidarity. And we are hoping that this collective agreement not only benefits the Metro workers, but other grocery workers as well. Um, This will also change the playing field of what other grocery workers will get in the future. Um, so, but if you want to learn more about the Metro strike that took place, um, you could visit Unifor's website for this campaign, goodgrocerjobs.ca. We'll leave the link in the campaign about the campaign's website in our show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And there are other groups on strike to note, um, Ontario Nurses Association, Local 31, IBW 636 with Hydro Ottawa, SEIU Local 1, and Legal Healthcare, the ongoing lockout at ACTRA. And the Canadian Media Guild TVO workers are on strike. And you know, and that's, there's probably more that um, that we could add to that list too. But you know who I've seen visiting many of these picket lines? Barbie. She's pro-union for sure. She's been out on the lines. Barbie's been interesting. Yeah. Yay. I thought you were going to say the orcas. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe them too. Maybe them too. Yeah. But we've also heard some great quotes from Barbie. So while out promoting Barbie's release, Margot Robbie was asked at a London premiere if she would support the strikes. This was prior to the SAG after strike. So um, there was kind of like an intersection of like 
SAG-AFTRA was preparing to strike but hadn't yet gone on strike and Mm -hmm. Barbie was premiering. So this was before, I I just want to make people, like make folks aware that like they intersected and then the second that they went on strike, they stopped all the the premieres and promotion and stuff. So the actors respected the picket lines. But um, so at the London premiere, prior to the SAG after strike, if uh, Margot Robbie was asked if she would support it, and immediately she said, absolutely, I very much am in support of all the unions. I'm part of SAG, so I would absolutely stand by them. So it has been confirmed that Barbie is a union member. Definitely. Yeah, that is exciting. Um, I also think something that we need to raise here, too, is how important to notice that SAG Afra strike is being led by women. And this summer, we are really seeing a strong women's summer. We have women in WGA, Frank DeFraser, Maga uh, Robbie, and we cannot forget to mention how Taylor Swift and Beyonce are absolutely <laughs> dominating the music industry oh, right now. They're killing yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're killing it. Yeah. And- Even code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll share with the listeners that through my sister, she actually was able to get the code on Ticketmaster <laughs> to get tickets to Taylor Swift in Toronto Music next year. Dollars. So I was super yeah. excited about that. Um, but maybe before we get into the economics of it and how Taylor Swift um, and Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig and Beyonce, are single handedly leading the economy right now. Uh, we can chat a bit about how people feel about seeing movies right now with the yeah. actors' strike and the writers' strike. And, and mm-hmm. I'll go first and say that I did see Barbie in the theaters. Um, it was actually one of my first movies since having a kid two years ago and mm-hmm. feeling comfortable to go to the theater. Uh, but it, I only went after I did the research that their unions are not calling for a boycott. And in fact, they want folks to see these movies. So that I felt that I, you know, I felt comfortable going to see to see Barbie in the theater. And I'm glad I did. Mm. Yeah, I read I read some similar research myself. Um, and so as of this point right now, and, and and so like back when we saw the movies and like still at this point right now, so the first week of September, um, to our knowledge, neither union has called on supporters to stop streaming their favorite shows or to stop going to the movies. They don't consider these activities to be crossing a picket line and there are no physical lines set up at the theaters. Um, that was reported by the Washington Post. The Actors Union has said, however, that it it considers a content creator or an up-and-coming actor taking a job that would normally be filled by a union member to be crossing the picket line. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, the content creators. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are actually trying to start their own union, which we will mention a little bit um, later. Um, But of course, regardless of what the unions advise, some do not feel comfortable seeing movies right now for a lot of reasons. And we always want people to follow their own moral compass. Um, I also saw the movie um, and I thought Gerwig did a phenomenal job touching on a number of themes. I enjoyed its critique of patriarchy and its discourse on womanhood. But I think what's impacted me the most is the paradox between perfection and humanity. As we all know, Barbie is a doll. Barbie is supposed to, you know, um, reflect like perfection. She's flawless. Yet throughout the movie, you see um, that she comes in direct contact with humans who throughout the movie, you see them to be imperfect and flawed. But there is something very beautiful about our imperfections and how we navigate through the world and, you know, deal with issues day to day. It might not be perfect. We might not be perfect. But, you know, there's beauty in the process. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's made its rounds on social media, so it's probably not like a spoiler alert about mm-hmm. the, the monologue <laughs> that America yeah. Ferrera has. But yeah. um, and it's amazing, and and I know we were talking about it in the live show about how like that applies in so many ways. Like as women activists mm-hmm. in the labor movement, a lot of times we feel pulled in all these different directions, or like we're not good enough, or we're wearing too much makeup to a rally, mm-hmm. or we're not wearing enough makeup to invite, you know, like things like that, which sounds like really shallow, but it's not because some of us have actually been confronted with these things throughout our lives as, yeah. uh, as union activists and and uh yeah and also so when i was watching the movie looking at it now through a lens it definitely hit different um being being a mom to a daughter i was laughing i was crying like you said brianna it's a great depiction of living in a patriarchal environment um once again don't want to give spoilers but a lot of this is already on social media there's a quote um that says mothers stand still so their daughters can see how far they've come and I mean, and what it means or meant to me when I heard it is that as mothers, we are you know, called to stand still. We defer our dreams or put them aside for a little while in the hopes that our daughters will be able to realize their own, in the hopes that they'll be happy, in the hopes that they'll find fulfillment, in the hopes that they won't have to struggle with the same things that we did, um, which is absolutely true mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But many of the mothers I know, including me, like, I don't feel like we're standing still anymore. Yes, life changes. And a lot of ways you feel like you're, you know, life just changes, like your kids change everything. But you can continue to keep fighting like hell for a better world for, for them, but also for you, right? So so I don't see a lot of people mm-hmm. putting their lives on hold, yeah. um, but it is, it is, it is different and it hit mm-hmm. different for me watching it. And um, Brittany, you saw the movie too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I saw it a week after it came out. So I waited uh, just a week. Um, I think it was because I had to work, to be honest. I think I was like <laughs> yeah. afternoons the week that it came out. So I had to wait. Um, so I saw it and because um, Matthew and I were doing the debate of like, do we see Barbie or do we see Oppenheimer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, back to back. <laughs> which like, okay, so like those people, good for them. Like, halt like amazing like i could i could never though but because i heard that like (laughs) barbie was such an upper and like oppenheimer uh, apparently i haven't seen it still is like apparently such a downer that like Hmm. you go through so many emotions that Mm -hmm. like it's actually like a lot for people to watch both right and like they both have like really heavy themes even though they have different ways of like depicting them anyway Mm -hmm. so we did the debate of oppenheimer or barbie so we saw barbie first because i was trying to avoid all the spoilers on social media and i successfully avoided all of them um with the exception of one, but it was incredibly minor. Like it, it didn't matter to the story. Yeah. Uh, so I was pretty Mojo happy. Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Sorry. It was um, uh, who Barbie sees after she goes to um, Mattel, like when she's trying uh, to get out of Mattel. Oh, okay. I, I, I saw that spoiler and I was like, well, that's okay. Like it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I thought I just, I loved it. I thought that. I thought that it had a really good way of like pulling people into the conversation and yeah. it, it, it really like some of the people that I support went and saw it too and they enjoyed it as well. So I think that they did a great job of like hitting all the right audiences as well. So like for us, it had like, like as adults who can like critique and look and what have you research and what have you, it really hit like these heavier themes. Um, but for folks who maybe can't, aren't recognizing those themes the same way we are, it's still did a good job of teaching lessons and so Mm -hmm. i'm hoping like just from this that that younger kids that maybe saw it are kind of realizing the patriarchy in their own way Mm -hmm. um i don't know if that makes sense yeah but i i loved it like 10 out of 10 it was such a good movie and it was a fun movie to watch so it didn't feel so heavy yeah yes yeah um so i read a buzzfeed article called swiftonomics 
Beyonce bump, and the billion-dollar Barbie. Here are 17 ways women single-handedly saved the U.S. economy this summer. So as the title states, the article highlights the different ways these women are improving the economy. Hmm. Yeah, and the article definitely shows how powerhouses can positively impact the economy. So the author of the article, article, Alana Volko, states that pretty much we have women to thank for keeping us out of a recession. (laughs) Yeah, yes, indeed. So, of course, let's start with the money. So between Taylor Swift and Beyonce concerts and the ticket sales of Barbie is projected that $7 billion would be generated in revenue. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, This will also support uh, boosts in revenue in other industries, such as hospitality, food and retail. Um, For example, the cities that the Taylor Swift concert um, took place, we saw a 300% increase in beads and jewelry. For friendship bracelets. Yeah. (laughs) For beads now, Tiffany. I'm going to. Preparation. (laughs) And earlier, like in the segment, we talked about the code and some of us got the code to get tickets for Taylor Swift concert. Mm -hmm. So I know some folks like Tiffany who may not live in Toronto as well. So imagine when you have to come see the concert, you have to pay tickets to fly out or drive mm-hmm. or take a train mm-hmm. or a bus mm-hmm. and then purchase a hotel and then purchasing a food. So we could see like how this is like impacting all these different industries for the better. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to be very interested to look back and to see how this truly impacted the economy. Um, so if you're like me and you like fun facts, feel free to check out the BuzzFeed article. We'll include the link in our show notes. Yeah, and also I just want to mention, um, since we've recorded this live, Taylor Swift announced her movie that's coming out, the Eras movie in October. And I was like, wait, wait, is this what? And so the unions were totally fine with her doing this movie because she met all the obligations and surpassed them of what they're fighting for Mm -hmm. at the table. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually they were happy that she was doing it because it screwed over the big movie producer. Like people had to change their dates and stuff. So it kind of screwed over the CEOs. So um, they, she totally had the support of the unions from what I understand to release that movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And people are going to see the same ripple effects because People are already, those tickets are already sold out. People are already making oh, yeah. friendship bracelets for, yeah. for those, for the movies, you know, and, and they're like treating it like a concert. So it's really interesting. And it also shows the need for community right now. I see a lot of public libraries hosting their own Taylor Swift events for especially yeah. folks who like couldn't get to the shows. And so they're sold out too. People are wanting to come together and it does. And, and for things that people typically say, isn't serious or it's too lighthearted or something it's people are really banding or you know something that's typically seen as like oh women women are into that or femme femme people are into that it's not it's not cool um it is cool and i'm glad that you know it's being embraced and um and it will continue to be embraced and of course we're not celebrating billionaires but i do like beyonce i do like taylor Swift. (laughs) i like their music i like art Mm -hmm. uh so um and good for them if they give back to their you know if they're I know that no one should be a billionaire. I get that. Definitely. I don't agree with that. But if they're supporting everyone that's working for them, like that's, you know, it, as long as we're in a capitalist economy, like that's, that's what we want for workers um, yeah. to be properly supported. But we did briefly, sorry, I just went on a side rant. Um, 
But no, no, it was important. <laughs> thanks. We touched on reality <laughs> reckoning, which is uh, what they're calling the reality workers wanting to form a union. And honestly, we could just do a full episode on that, but we can we can talk about it a little bit here. Yeah. So just a little bit from, for our listeners to kind of get an insight of what's going on. Um, there um, have been several lawsuits in the works right now, specifically with Love and Blind. Love is Blind. So I'm not sure if any listeners watch Love is Blind. It's on Netflix. Um, the Love is Blind cast members stating that they were um, psychologically manipulated, funnel alcohol, and paid um, to be what works out about $7.14 an hour. Um, they have their photos, wallets, IDs, passports taken away while filming, and they film about 18 to 20 hours a day. And the only time they did not film is when the union crews had to swap out um, for another crew. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they only got a break when the union got a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the unions were benefiting them in a way that they maybe didn't know at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I am a huge reality TV star. I have talked about my reality TV <laughs> watching. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's. I think Tiffany and I in a previous episode called it like brain candy. Yes, um, it's brain candy. It's brain candy. Um, but I, I really like reality TV. But I really, uh, I, I have heard stuff like what Brianna was talking about but like i've heard about it like about the bachelor and the bachelorette so how um she how brianna mentioned their funneled alcohol um so on the bachelor and the bachelorette they are funneled alcohol and they're and that's how the producers get like all these big like fights and what have you and people behaving the way that they wouldn't normally and then they also make them stay up super late so it's like like how Brianna said, you know, 18 to 20 hours a day, it's the same thing. So the bachelor, those nighttime segments when they're giving the roses and stuff, anytime you see him, that's like three o'clock in the morning. Like yeah. it's not early by any means. Like it's, it's wild what folks on these shows go through and they have no idea what's going to happen. And unfortunately a lot of them are unemployable after the show airs because the producers, you know, you always have a villain or two and you always exploit them and it's spreading. Yeah. Yeah. The evil editing. Oh yeah. yeah. And like I said, we, we could go on and on, but I'll end with what um, Bethany Frankel, who is one of the real housewives of New York. Um, I think she was one of the OG real housewives in New mm-hmm. York. Um, she is really spearheading these efforts for a union. And she says that this fits in this equation because um, she wants this reality reckoning and these unionization efforts to work. Uh, and they want them to demand, residual-esque payments because they don't get any residuals for networks playing their hit reality shows over and over. They don't see any residuals for that. So she wants something around that. Um, um, And it's an industry, Frankel has said, that takes advantage of people eager for fame and perhaps perhaps not well-versed in entertainment contracts. So I think Brittany and I were talking to some other folks and they were like, well, it's their own fault. They want to be famous. So this is what they have to deal with. And it's like, but it's still exploitation. Like, mm-hmm. would we say like it's the own fault of um, oh people that work at McDonald's like they should be low paid because that's their own fault they didn't get a job somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. a job's a job, yeah. And yeah. people, you know, all work deserves you know recognition. And yeah, they're not versed in entertainment contracts. I don't think they're calling like a lawyer to comb through these things. And yeah. she suggested a minimum salary of five thousand dollars per episode, and that stars get a ten percent raise every season. Um, health insurance is another thing. If folks have been following the Scandaval, um, not only so that was from Vanderpump Rules, uh, there was a, a person on there who was very much villainized. At, like, well, I mean, they did they did participate in, in like cheating on someone, which is, you know, um, but they had to go to seek mental health treatment afterwards. 
Um, and production did not offer to pay for uh, Raquel, now Rachel's mental health treatment, um, after they exploited her. And they wouldn't even offer her health insurance to help recoup some any of that cost at all. It all had to come out of her pocket. Oh, that is so, like, upsetting. Um, but I'm sure we'll check back on this um, more. This is a huge topic. And as we mentioned earlier, we could probably do an entire episode about this. Um, especially since we know you love your Bravo shows, Tiffany, <laughs> all workers deserve respect, whether if they're working at McDonald's, working um, a corporate job, or even a job on a reality TV show, all workers deserve respect. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we've been talking quite in length about what's happening to our neighbors to the South, but close to home, we have seen some successes with women taking leadership roles. As our listeners are aware, I'm from Toronto and Toronto recently elected um, Olivia Chow as the 66th mayor of Toronto. Um, mayor Chow is the first person of Asian, Asian descent to serve as mayor and is the first woman since the amalgamation of Toronto in 1998. I was like overjoyed to hear that Toronto has Olivia Chow as their mayor. Mm -hmm. She is a mayor that is labor friendly and she's progressive and Chow coming into office really marked an end of a decade of conservative leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's been over a month now since mayor um, Chow has been taking, had took office, but we are already seeing um, she has made some movements within city council. Um, we could see that some of her more progressive left-leaning councillors are taking board chair positions and several um, leadership roles in boards and committees. Uh, we also saw the appointment of councillor Asuma Malik as the first deputy mayor. And according to a recent liaison strategy poll, Mayor Chow has received a 70% approval rating in her first month in office. To me, it seems like she is doing a great job. She is moving in the right direction. And I look forward to see how her leadership will impact the shape of Toronto, uh, not only this year, but beyond. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the reasons why this campaign was so successful this time around for Olivia Chow is that, you know, she really st stayed with her um, I think we called about the moral compass earlier. She was authentic. Yeah. It was our authentic self and it was an authentic campaign and um, well done. And, and we're seeing, you know, the benefits from this now. And we also cannot end this episode without an honorable mention and shout out to another woman who dropped a total bombshell this summer, which we're still seeing the ripple effects of. The <laughs> Auditor General Bonnie Lissick delivered her report regarding changes to the Ontario's Greenbelt on August 1st. In that report, she made 15 recommendations to the Ford government, the most important on being that they reevaluate the land swaps, which, of course, the one they're choosing so far not to do, but there's a lot of controversy coming out, so things might change. Yeah, so much. Um, yeah, as of today, we've seen the Ontario Housing Minister Chief of Staff resign, and the OPP turn the investigation over to the RCMP. Um, and that's just a sneak peek for you all, because uh, later this month, we'll be talking more about the environment and climate crisis, and that'll be in the next episode, for sure. We also saw... Um, the minister, uh, um, did we mention that? Is his name they, Stephen Clark? His assistant, too. Yes, okay. they also resigned since our recording. Yes. Yeah, and it was like, I, I don't want to be incorrect, so someone correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I, it, I'm i sorry, but it was like the assistant that was like overseeing all of this, allegedly, He all, that person also resigned. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember their yeah. name. Anyways. Yeah. 
But anyways, so Bonnie Lissick is done with her term. Uh, it ended uh, this week. Um, and although the uh, although uh, the Auditor General is a nonpartisan person, she really did go out with a bang. Yeah. And she really just left us this nice little present. And it, it basically was like, we all knew that the Ford government was completely corrupt. But now we have a 91-page report that has it in detail. And we have been seeing resignations. Like... There, there is definitely like it was just like this was nonpartisan, but like I, I think this is just a lovely, a lovely mm-hmm. gift. And yeah. at the time of recording too, I should mention that like yesterday, um, Ford Fest happened, and there was like this massive anti, like this uh, rally outside of Ford Fest, and and Doug Ford had a little bit of trouble getting into Ford Fest because there's just so many people that are rallying in support of the Green Belt, and the like. So there's so many things that we're seeing, like Tiffany was saying from from this. So thank you, Bonnie, for yes. for leaving your yeah. office with 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 such a bang. And giving us just this nice little present. Yeah. Accountability at its finest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you. You summarized that perfectly. (laughs) And so before we go, we want to give a shout out to CUPE's very own Laura Walton, who has announced her bid for um, Ontario Federation of Labor presidency this summer. Um, So at our live recording, we took questions from the audience and we had a great conversation, um, which was very great. I'm just very sad that we're able to have our listeners listen to it but <laughs> the conversation was excellent and it was really great to hear from QP members yeah mm-hmm. and so we will uh wrap this up now so thank you so much to everyone for tuning in to this re-recording of episode 28 of the QP cast strong woman summer and thank you for our uh, to our live audience who came out and saw all the magic and how it happens this podcast was written, produced, and researched by us, Brianna, Brittany, and Tiffany. And we want to take a moment to thank all of the QP Ontario staff involved with this episode, because without them, this podcast wouldn't exist. If you have future ideas for our podcast, please email us at info at qp.on.ca. That's I-N-F-O at C-U-P-E dot O-N dot C-A. For sure. Um, I had so much fun interacting with everyone on this episode. I'm very grateful. I also got to see Brittany and Tiffany in person. Yeah, uh, it was so nice. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't as much fun as our Orca friends who've been interacting a little bit too hard with the yachts. Uh, <laughs> But we also want to um, thank our friend Mohammed Akbar for being the edit master. And thank you to Jay from Meridian for helping us um, manage the KPCast episode live. Um, this podcast would not sound as great as it does without his talents. Um, and we hope that folks had fun at the Labor Day events that happened in your area. And we also want to put in a quick plug for our Ontario listeners. Join QP Ontario at the mass protest against healthcare privatization on September 25th. It is taking place at Queen's Park at noon. Be there. The future of healthcare depends on all of us. There are buses going around from many locations throughout Ontario. Visit QP Ontario's website or social media for more information. And before we close out, we want to thank all of our incredible listeners for tuning in to this episode of the QPCast. Thank you for your patience. Please continue to look for us anywhere you stream or download podcasts, which includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or on the QP Ontario website. Please follow or subscribe to the QPCast. And if you listen to this episode, uh, write us a review wherever you listen to it and leave us a message and let us know what you thought about the episode. Or you could share the link with your friends or fellow members in your local 
Our show notes have lots of information that you can share, put it up anywhere. And thank you so much for listening and sending solidarity. Thank you.